0: Effortless giving. CharityMobile.com Ave Maria Radio is having a Christmas in July sale going on right now at AveMariaRadio.net. Deck your halls with great books, talks, and other products for friends, family, and even for yourself. Products featuring Father John Ricardo are on sale, including a 20% discount on all single show copies of Christ is the Answer. Just apply the promo code CIAJuly19 at checkout. Don't miss out on Ave Maria Radio's Christmas in July sale, going on right now at AveMariaRadio.net. That's AveMariaRadio.net.
1: Stay tuned to all of our great programming all day long here at EWTN Radio. And then tomorrow morning, join me and Doug Keck for The Inside Word. A look at great programming coming up in the days to come, and the weeks to come. And then the one and the only Steve Ray, author, speaker, convert, will be joining us to talk about St. Elijah the Prophet and what he's learned from a Catholic perspective. He actually has one of his... Footprints of God DVDs all about St. Elijah, and it's great. We'll give you some resources, and then Steve will be available, of course, to take your calls and your questions. So on a Friday, going into the weekend, Doug Keck and Steve Ray, and you have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Ciao, ciao.
2: You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria
3: Radio and EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN
2: Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit avemariaradio.net. That's a v e Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.
3: 30 Seconds on the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, brought to you by iCatholic Radio. The gift of piety is explained in the Catechism of the Catholic Church as the gift which leads one to devotion to God. In St. Paul's letter to the Romans, he writes, The spirit you received is not the spirit of slaves, it is the spirit of sons, and it makes us cry out, Abba, Father. The gift of piety stirs up in us the desire to love, respect, and honor our
4: Lord. This is Father Yatsik Mazer. Please join me in a prayer to St. Kateri Takakwitha. St. Kateri, Lily of the Mohawks, we come to seek your intercession in our present need. We admire the virtues that adorned your soul, love of God and neighbor, humility, obedience, and the spirit of sacrifice. Help us to imitate your example in our life. Pray to God for us and help us. Amen.
1: This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for July 18th. Today we celebrate St. Camillus de Lellis. Born in 1550 and neglected by his father after his mother's death, Camillus grew up with an excessive love of gambling. While serving in the military, he was sent to Rome's San Giacomo Hospital for incurables, suffering from a leg wound that refused to heal. In 1574, Camillus gambled away everything that he had, forcing him to accept lodging and work at a Capuchin friary. A sermon by the superior prompted Camillus to change his life and enter the Capuchin novitiate. Trouble with his leg sent him back and forth from the Capuchins to San Giacomo, where eventually he was made superintendent. Camillus devoted the rest of his life to the care of the sick. On the advice of a friend, he studied for the priesthood and was ordained in 1584. The religious congregation that Camillus founded bound themselves to serve prisoners, plague victims, and fighting troops, as well as those dying in private homes. Camillus de Lellis died in 1614 and was canonized in 1746. Along with St. John of God, he is honored as the patron of hospitals, nurses, and the sick. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day.
0: The Station of the Cross is blessed to bring you programming that includes praying the chaplet of divine mercy. Help us to spread the good news of Jesus Christ by donating at thestationofthecross.com
3: Faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes by the preaching of Christ. This is the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network.
2: Good morning, beloved. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're doing well, and I'm happy to be with you. Um, We have been going through a paper for the first half of the program on modesty, and um, I'm concerned for some of you who would say, well, let me tune in when you're talking about something else. You know, dear ones, modesty has to do with our whole life, our comportment. Being in the world and not of it, being witnesses not only to the world, to strangers, but to our own family, to our children, of how to act, how to speak, how to dress, how to have a heart of modesty that comes out in all that we do. It's very, it's so important, beloved, and it is the teaching of the church and many holy, um, many holy popes. We don't get through too much of it each day, so I'm going to jump in from where we left off yesterday on the subtitle that the soul and the body are one. The soul is not uh, simply encased in a body, and the body simply doesn't contain a soul. We are one whole being, and leaving off where we were yesterday, um, this uh, author says, I don't have her name, I should, it's Katie dot fisheaters.com on the Internet. And you can look up fisheaters, one word, dot .com, uh, and then just the subject of modesty, and you'll get it. And moms, dads, you can get it for your daughters. Um, you can read it as a family. Um, you can discuss it in private. Um, it's very, very wonderful. And it says now, For a woman reflecting her human dignity entails understanding how her humanity is uniquely feminine. And I want to tell you, beloved, if you uh, expose your children to sex education, they will not get this. They will not ever understand the the beauty, the dignity, the sacredness of who God has made them. They will never get that from any sex ed class, even in a Catholic school. Dr. Alice von Hildebrand speaks of this and recalls the fourth chapter of Solomon's Canticle, The Canticle of Canticles, and when she quoted this, there is something extraordinarily great and mysterious about femininity. And why do I say it is so great and so mysterious? Because you all know that every little girl that is born is born with a seal so to speak, protecting the mystery of her femininity. Every little girl is born with a seal. That's a seal in her womb, protecting her femininity, the mystery of her femininity. um, There is a seal, and if you understand, a seal always indicates something which is sacred. The seal, which does not exist in the male body, is profoundly symbolic and says this belongs to God in a special way. This is a sphere which is so beautiful and so profound that it cannot be touched upon except with God's permission in a Catholic marriage. Mothers, if you would spend time with your daughters— when they're quite young, and explain to them as they enter their teenage years that they are made in a very special, sacred way by God. And there's a seal on them, just like there's a door on the tabernacle. It cannot be broken. It should not be seen. It should not be touched by any soul ever. And you see except the man that they will one day marry. That's it. And that's with God's permission, and that's who the seal is for. That's who the seal is for. Unless you're called to religious life, that seal will not be broken. You see? You will be completely God's. It's so beautiful. And the world, the devil, the flesh, will seek to destroy it. If you allow your young ladies to go out in shorts, in skirts above the knees, in tight clothing, what she is doing is exposing and destroying the sacredness of her body. Because when something sacred, like the tabernacle, you don't even want, lay people are not allowed in that sanctuary. You don't want anyone near it, not even near it, except the priest. And the same thing with your little girls. No one has any right to her body. And if she grows up exposing her body with tight clothing and short skirts and walks around in, in simply in tights that used to be my underwear, you are uh, allowing her to degrade herself. She needs to understand her sacredness. When a girl or young woman is permitted to give the keys of the mysterious domain, this closed garden, to her husband-to-be, she says, when she's permitted to give this mysterious domain, this closed garden, to her husband-to-be, to a man who's not yet her husband, she says this, up until now, I have kept this garden virginal. Now God has given me the keys and is allowing me to give them to you, and I know that you will penetrate into it with trembling reverence and gratitude. You see, that's fine on the marriage night, but not before, but not before. And that's the way a man should have, should be intimate with his new spouse, with trembling reverence and gratitude, entering into the mysterious garden that God has made for himself in sacredness. And again, if she becomes a religious, it remains locked. And if she marries, it's only with her husband that God gives permission for anyone to enter that garden. The moment that a woman is embraced by her husband And a few hours afterwards, she conceives, in this very moment, something absolutely amazing happens, which once again illuminates the greatness of femininity. Neither husband nor wife can create a human soul. God alone can. Oh, beloved, this is the kind of things that should be read to your young children, to your teenagers, to your daughters, to your sons that your son would never, ever violate a woman and destroy her virginity and destroy her sacredness for another man who she might marry one day. Of course, the article goes on to say, there is the male seed and there is the female egg. These are material realities that God has put into the bodies. And when they are united, an amazing thing happens. God creates a new human soul, totally new, which never existed before. Where? In the mystery of the female body. This is where the soul is conceived, just like our Lord was conceived by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit in the Blessed Mother. This is where the soul is conceived. It has nothing to do with the husband. The husband is out of the game at the point and at the very moment that God creates a soul, he implies that there is a special contact between God and the female body. You see, beloved, it is the husband's donation, but it is God that creates a soul in that woman. It is God, hold on a minute, God creates a soul, he implies... uh, the very moment that god creates a soul he implies that there is a special contact between god and the female body so to speak touching it in touching it in creating it once again what an extraordinary privilege privilege beloved and sacred trust it's a sacred trust young men or men of any age If you violate a woman, you have destroyed God's creation. If you violate a woman, you have destroyed God's creation. You have debased what He has made sacred. We are not isolated, radically isolated individuals, but a part of a community, a community with which we communicate. We've all heard people who when confronted with calls for modesty, love to go on about their rights. I have a right to dress any way I want and only have to please myself. Don't judge me. You think I dress like a, and they use the word here, I don't want to repeat, but it would be something like a prostitute. But that doesn't make me one because I dress like one. That doesn't make me one. And the writer goes on here to say, well, the exercising of one's political rights has consequences. And by the way, um, political rights, she says, not spiritual rights. You say you have a right to dress any way you want. Well, the right to dress any way you want, beloved, I'm I'm intersecting these ideas. The right to dress any way you want is not a right given you from god it is not a right it is a right you have usurped just as the devil usurped eve's right god has given us free will which is the right to do what is right the right to do what is good if you violate that you have a right you don't have a right to do to sin you may sin you have the freedom to sin you have the freedom to turn from god But if you call it a right, then it's the devil's right, not God's right for you. The exercising of one's political rights has consequences. People have political rights to do a lot of things that are unwise. One has a right never to bathe, but has no right to expect others to think one smells like roses. Now, this is getting a little gross here. It would obviously be a logical fallacy to state as a proof that one who dresses like a prostitute necessarily sells her body for profit. But a woman who dresses that way is just as obviously dressing as someone who does. You see? And I have... This is a very coarse language in today's world. But I have spoken, I remember, with, with a mother of quite a number of children and several girls, only two boys, six girls. And her daughters were beautiful, young, modest daughters. And in their teens, they were allowed to do anything they want, to wear chokers, which is terrible. The father was against it. The mother fought him. The father was right. For a woman to wear a choker around her neck or any necklace that's tight around her neck... Is, is immoral. It's seductive. Um, there's nothing modest in that. And so if she looks like a prostitute, even though she's not one, and then she gets offended because someone says to her or says to her mother, your daughters look like prostitutes. I told that to a very faithful Catholic mother one time, because the husband of some friends of theirs told me that he doesn't know what to do about it, because their daughters look like prostitutes. The husband told me that, and I told the mother, I didn't tell her who said what, but I told the mother that it's, it's, uh, and the mother, who was uh, supposedly a good friend of mine, and somewhat of a, a disciple she considered herself, tremendously offended, got angry, told me I didn't know what I was talking about. She said, my daughters are better than those that go to school with them, and it, it caused quite a riff. <coughs> Excuse me, her heart was not open. Um, and so one has a right um, to do wrong, they don 't have a right from God. if they think they have a right it 's the right the devil has given them. God has given us only a right to do what is good. It would obviously be a logical fallacy to state as a proof um i 'm so sorry we we uh, we read this. Let me go on. <clears throat> the fact is, we are judged by our appearances. Sometimes too harshly. Let's say someone says her skirt is a half an inch too short. A little harsh. Sometimes, if it's a half an inch too short, then it was too short to begin with because nothing should be borderline. Um, We judge uh, sometimes too harshly, sometimes for evil reasons. um, uh, And some, I'm not going to give the examples they give here. Um, Sometimes for evil reasons. Um, sometimes for ridiculous standards that a person has no control over um, to the shape of her body or something else, sometimes by people who haven't moved um, the beam from their own eye. Appearance is often held to be the only thing of value, in a woman especially, an attitude that causes great suffering to women who do not look like the models in magazines. No one looks like that, by the way, um um I, I won't go on with all the descriptions of what happens to those women before they're photographed and some women can be completely catty turning looking good into a huge competition and dishing um oh this i, I don't like the language in this article um putting other women down okay I'll just do that. Some of the language is very, very strong. And I might say to whoever wrote this, it's, it's strong and it's immodest. You see, we need to even describe things truthfully using dignified language. Um, even the word prostitute is not dignified because a prostitute is not dignified. But it's much better than the word that was used here. We don't have to resort to filth in order to make our point. This goes on. Nonetheless, the things we do have control, the things we do have control over can rightfully be deemed to be expressive of who we are. Um, You know what? Um, I think I'm not going to go on reading this. Um, Um... word for word because I didn't read in advance and block out certain things that I don't want to speak about to you over the air or even in person Uh, the certain TV shows that are debauched um, uh, women how they appear um, certain TV shows that attract um, enormous immorality and I don't need to mention them as examples Um, I'm going to go on to a new subhead and see if that's Little better for us. Um, Okay, hold on one second here. Something just happened. Okay, we've got it. All right. And again, uh, right after our first break, which um, is uh, coming up in not too long from now, we'll take your calls and your emails and your texts. And just so you have the number beforehand, if you wish to call in and be first up, and you're welcome to call or text at the toll free number. That's one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of dot com you know I'm thinking as I'm reading this article on modesty, the person that wrote this article um, sort of under say sort of understands uh the mo- the issue of modesty, but to speak of modesty in such degrading terms. Hold on one moment, please. To speak of modesty in such degrading terms and bringing up degrading examples in a public article, I I think is immodest. And we have to be careful when we want to teach that we want to teach and not tirade against an immodest culture because we will do no one any good. We'll do no one any good if we come to their level. We're not looking to insult. We're not looking to degrade. We're looking to lift people up to the dignity with which and the beauty with which God has made them to understand that, to help them not be afraid of being unpopular help them to long for holiness. Okay, the next subtitle is What Many Modern Fashions Tend to Communicate. I'll see how much of this I can read. Fashions today often tend to be about putting out the message. um, I am sexy, look at me. Um, um, A person can look as hot as she wants for her spouse, now, I don't like this language, and I wouldn't have described it that way. Um, but the fact is that I had a young lady come work for me here, Catholic uh not very knowledgeable about her faith. She has since grown tremendously, and she's modest and beautiful, but when she came. She was in short, tight clothing, and she was fairly newly wed. and um, I spoke to her about that, and she was extremely offended by it um, and One day I took her with me to an appointment to meet someone for our community, a kind of a business appointment and I told her that i'd like her to come with me, but she needs to wear a long skirt. Well, she did, but she was extremely offended she turned and walked out of the room and she was in tears. And she finally basically said this to me. She said, you know, I'm newly married. I want to be attractive to my husband. You don't understand that. You're in a habit. You're a sister. You're older, all of that. You don't understand that. I said, of course I understand it. Of course you should be attractive to your husband. There's no question. You should be attractive by your modest, pure heart. And the way you dress should be very beautiful, with long skirts and modest tops, nothing showing, nothing tight. A beautiful, beautiful sacred vessel for your husband. She didn't agree. She finally does now because she experienced um the Latin Mass and the homeschooling families and and, and she has um uh she's it has really formed her. <clears throat> um let me see a person to want to induce lust this is she says she's quoting here in this article saint thomas aquinas a per but there's no quote marks here so she may have summed it up a person to for a person to want to lust in strangers lust Induce, I'm sorry, a person to want to induce lust in strangers. And I would say, beloved, this may be shocking to you, even your husband. You don't want to induce lust. You want your husband to treat you, your entire married life, as a sacred vessel for whom he would lay down his life. You don't want him coming after you in lust you don't want to feel used as a wife. And it's he says, or she claims St. Thomas says, For a person to want to induce lust in strangers is evil. Our Lord said that to wh- whoever shall look on a woman to lust after her hath already committed adultery with her in his heart. Adultery is a mortal sin. Why would a person want to tempt another to mortal sin? Now, I will say adultery is a grave sin. It becomes mortal if one knows that it's grave, and they do it voluntarily of their own will, knowing that it will cut them off from God. She quotes James chapter 1 here, uh, in which James says, Every man is tempted by his own concupiscence, being drawn away and allured. Then, When concupisces have conceived, in other words, when the temptation is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, but sin, when it is completed, begetteth death. You see, temptation is not sin, beloved. But if we allow the temptation to live in us, we begin to imagine it, even though we're not acting it out, it becomes sin. We've sinned in our heart. And when we sin like that, it brings forth death. And she goes on to a situation which we can imagine to make the point and I will not read that to you. Uh, this Whoever wrote this article on modesty needs to understand that some things don't have to be said. Beloved, there's the music for our break and uh, I invite you to call in with anything on your heart or text toll free one 511 5483 or email at mother at the Station of the We'll be right back, beloved.
0: Tune in weekdays from six to seven AM Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details.
3: St. Zellie Martin, mother of St. Therese of Lisieux, said, How mistaken are the great majority of men! If they are rich, they at once desire honors, and if these are obtained, they are still unhappy. For never can that heart be satisfied which seeks anything but God. If you've been blessed with the financial means to support Catholic Radio, your donations can now make an even greater impact as we strive to bring the fullness of truth to our world. Please check with your employer to see if gift matching is an option for you. If you are retired, be sure to check with your former place of employment, as some companies will even match the donations of their retired employees. Thank you for supporting the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by Site News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at
2: com. Welcome back. God bless you, everyone. It's so good to be with you on Mother Miriam Live. And we are going to go to your emails and your calls, your texts. And again, I'll give out the number if anyone wishes to call or email that hasn't already. And let me mention that we are going to pick up on a, a, a small a, a small um, truckload of emails that uh, have not been received in the past few days because of a technical glitch in, in switching some equipment. And so uh, if you've written in and... Um, uh, your email hasn't been addressed. Um, that's why. But we're, we're on board now, and the emails are—we're getting all the emails that we didn't receive, so we'll get to them as quickly as we can. Um, <clears throat> here's a, a question um, from Kay on Facebook. She says, I am a Catholic fiction writer. Each of my novels or short stories is based upon the presence of God in this world— Writers write about the world as it is. Characters sometimes are portrayed as fallen, and their fall is shown. However, there is always, in Catholic fiction, the presence of God's grace and the opportunity for a character to take it or not. Just because there is something evil shown in the film or written about in a book doesn't mean that the book or the film Uh, is evil. Sometimes you have to see evil before the good can be shown conquering. Thank you, Mother Miriam, for speaking the truth without fear. Dear Kay, I agree with you and I don't. Um, To speak about evil and the transformation of lives through the good, through God's grace, is, is fantastic, of course. But you don't have to show a woman, a prostitute, a man in bed, with a woman or anything like that, a woman in bed with a man, you don't have to show rape, you don't have to show debauchery explicitly on the screen or talk about it or describe it in the book in order to put the point across. You don't have to do that. If you do that, you've gone to evil. You have. Because I remember in the film Schindler's List, we knew that Schindler was in immoral sexual relations. We knew that he was having that while he was doing all the good and saving the Jewish people. We knew that. But there's one scene of him in bed with a woman that is so horrific, uh, incredibly horrific, it spoils the whole scene. It spoils the whole scene. Had Had the movie just shown him in bed with a woman and they were both covered or holding each other, whatever... And, you know, the fact was there. We could have understood that. But it showed the the intimate exchange in a way that was uh, so horrifying. It, it ruined the film. And I said, how do I send people to that film? As Children should see that film. Anyone from 10 years up should see that film. But what do you do when they get to that scene? It, the child... Seeing something like that on a screen that's a hundred times their size or a thousand times their size, that image planted in their mind, they will never be free of that image. I'm not free of it. I saw it as an adult. You don't have to do that. I remember a couple of books someone really urged me to read, and it described the... Um, uh, it described sexual temptation and the abuse someone received in such detail, I've not forgiven it, forgiven it, I guess not, and forgotten it to this day. I say, why on earth is that necessary? There is no reason for it. We all know about the woman caught in adultery in Scripture, but it did not describe her acts in bed. We got the point. You don't need to do that. You could see evil at times, but you don't have to embed it in someone's mind by being so explicit. I think that does border on sin. I think it does. And the near occasion of sin, for sure, and um, and uh, a scandalous, tempting others. I, I think it's, it should be avoided at all costs. A good writer will be able to get the point across without going into such description of evil. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hi, Mother Miriam, I am reaching out to you because I have my arms up in the air. I've been a listener to your shows for the past three years, and I feel confident enough that you may be able to give me good, solid advice on what to do. My best friend of 20 years and my comadre is about to have her second abortion on Saturday, July 20th. So that's two days from now. And I am trying desperately to save the baby. I am the godmother of her two little ones. I baptized them just last year in August of 2018. I don't know what it means that you baptize them. Did she allow you to have them baptized? I'm not sure what that means. Because to baptize them is to put them in a position of being raised Catholic, so perhaps you were able to work that out. Um, Hold on just one moment, please. Okay. Okay. I am a devout Catholic pro-life and certainly do not believe in abortion. Her reasoning, from what I assume, is that she recently has lost 40 pounds, living an active lifestyle, eating healthier, and she claims to be happier, going through a divorce and has a new boyfriend. She does not know whether the fetus is her current husband's or her current boyfriend's child. I know, what a mess. Her husband is telling me that even if the baby is not his, he is willing to make the marriage work and take responsibility for the baby. She had her first abortion about four years ago. Back then, she was a single mother of one child and had no emotional financial support. She tried calling me when she had her first abortion, but unfortunately, I was unavailable. And then she proceeded with the abortion. I had no idea until days later when she confessed to me. <clears throat> now this time around, she is hiding it from me. Her husband, my compadre. I don't know why she's calling him her compadre. Hold on a minute. Um, she says her best friend of 20 years, and she calls her comadre, and so compadre, maybe this woman is Spanish and she's speaking in Spanish terms. Holly, um, we'll continue with this email, beloved, after our break. It's going to be its our second break. It's very, very short. Our lines, our phone lines are wide open, um, so feel free to call in toll-free or text one 511 5483 or email mother at the station com. We'll be right back beloved.
0: If God is calling you to give in support of the station of the Cross, We want to do our best to make sure we receive your donations. Please let us know if recent changes have been made to your payment information so that we can better serve you as you continue to bless us with your financial support. Update your information today at thestationofthecross.com or by calling 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. If you have an old vehicle taking up space on your property, consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. We gladly accept cars, trucks, boats, RVs, and motorcycles. Whether they run or not, your donation may even qualify as a tax deduction. By joining in our evangelization efforts, many listeners will learn more about our Lord and draw closer to Him through what they hear on the Station of the Cross. So, if you're looking to get rid of an old car, truck, boat, RV, or motorcycle, remember that you can turn it into a donation for Catholic Radio. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277.
4: This is Father Yatsuk Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. James the Greater. O glorious St. James, because of your fervor and generosity, Jesus chose you to witness His glory on the mount and His agony in the garden. Obtain for us strength and consolation in the unending struggles of this life. Help us to follow Christ constantly and generously, to be victors over all our difficulties and to receive the crown of glory in heaven. Amen.
2: Um, this is our uh, final portion of the program. We've got uh, 15-plus minutes, and so we will have time for your calls if you wish to call in. Um, We've got plenty of emails ahead, but I always take calls when they come in or when I'm uh, uh, finished with the present uh, email that we're looking at. I'm going to be reading. uh, We didn't finish this email from somebody who's anonymous, and um, I'm going to... Um, read this from the beginning. We only got halfway through it. It's, it's, it is it's urgent, actually, beloved, and I'm asking everybody who can hear me to pray for this situation. This woman writes, I am reaching out to you because I have my arms up in the air. I've been a listener of your shows for the past three years, and I feel confident enough that you may be able to give me good, solid advice on what to do. My best friend of 20 years and my camadre is about to have her second abortion on Saturday, July 20th. That's two days from now, beloved, this Saturday. And I'm trying desperately to save the baby. I am the godmother of her two little ones. I baptized them just last year in August of 2018. I am a devout Catholic pro-life and certainly do not believe in abortion. Her reasoning... from what I assume is that she recently has lost 40 pounds, living an active lifestyle, eating healthier and happier, going through a divorce, and has a new boyfriend. She does not know whether the fetus is her current husband's or her current boyfriend's child. I know what a mess. Her husband is telling me that even if the baby is not his, he is willing to make the marriage work and take responsibility for the baby. Well, that's a fantastic thing on the part of the husband. She had her first abortion about four years ago. Back then, she was a single mother of one child and had no emotional or financial support. She tried calling me when she had her first abortion, but unfortunately, I was unavailable, and then she proceeded with the abortion. I had no idea until days later when she confessed to me. Now, this time around, she is hiding it from me. Her husband called me to tell me about the news and that he is also against the abortion. We have to try and save the precious little baby from being killed. I am a registered nurse, <clears throat> and I've had my suspicions, and I just know us nurses have a keen ability to know when someone is different, and I immediately knew she was pregnant when I saw her a few days ago. She is not okay. She is not okay emotionally. She is very upset and is not telling me what is going on, even though I already know. I am willing to adopt the child or take my other two godchildren and raise them so I can take some load off her hands. She should be roughly four to five weeks pregnant. Do you have any information that I can show her that this clump of cells, quote unquote, is actually a human being. Please help, SOS. Well, dear one, um, because it's such a desperate situation with two days left, I have three suggestions for you. Number one, um, you go together with her husband to her and say, um, let the husband, I don't care what the situation, I don't care if he's in the house or out of it I don't care, Let him go with you to his wife and say, we want you to know for sure, even though you're upset, we want you to know that your husband told me that you were pregnant and about to have an abortion. I know you're going to be upset about that, but we risked angering you and upsetting you to say what we want to say. We want you to know clearly that, and and her husband needs to say that, I want you to know that I even if it's your boyfriend's baby I will accept that baby and raise that baby I will accept that baby and raise the baby I will do that as my own number 1 um secondly you can say as her her friend um that you will raise the baby and you will raise all three children if 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 that is going to Help her to get her life together in her heart and her mind and and save lives. You will do that. Uh, let me just say thirdly, you can tell her that you know a religious order who um, will raise that baby who will be at her bedside in the hospital as the baby is born, and she doesn 't even have to see the baby or hold the baby if she doesn 't want or take the baby. And the, the sisters, the religious sisters, if there's some reason that she won't, doesn't want you to raise the baby as a constant reminder to her, um, you can say they live in another state, they're out of state, but they will fly in um, and they will receive the baby from the moment of birth or handle it however you wish and take the baby out of state and they will raise the baby. And prevent you from killing a baby. Um, Finally, I would beg her um, to do one thing, and that is to see the movie Unplanned. Now, I know it's Thursday night, so you only have two nights. You have tonight, and you have any day, any time tomorrow or tomorrow night to see the movie Unplanned. I would beg her, say the decision is still yours, but please, I beg you, if you have any love for me, if, if friendship means anything at all, uh, I beg you to see this film with me. You're not being forced to, to change your mind. It's your, it's your decision. It will still be, but I beg you to see Unplanned and find out before you speak to her where the movie may be shown in your area. And if not, uh, go to a store and see if you can buy it Spend the money, whatever the cost is, and buy it in a DVD and take it home, or look for it online. You can get it online, even if you have to pay a, a fee for joining something. F- get Get her to that film if you possibly can. And then um, speak to her in a way that she is, uh, understands that she's loved and she's cared for, that she's not judged. Right now, we can't give her a lesson in morality and all of that. We just need to save the life of that baby. And she needs to feel your genuine love for her and the validity of that little life in her more than you want to solve a problem. See, and so um, I'd say, I I beg you, I know it's going to be eight more months for you to go through this. I will do everything I can. We will pay for everything. We will do everything we can. To help you, and we will be there when the baby is born, and then you will be free. You won't have it on your mind that you've killed a, a child. You don't have to say a second child; she already knows that. She'll apply it. Um. So if you can get her to that film, it it would be great. Okay, and everybody that's listening, I I beg your prayers. I beg your prayers for this for the life of this little baby and for this nurse friend and this woman's husband um, to be able to convince her. If you could get to the boyfriend and have him be part of this, that would be the best thing in the whole world. But the boyfriend may want nothing to do with the baby. But if there's any way for the boyfriend to be part of a threesome begging her, my goodness, that might be a whole different picture. So... um, you know, that's in your hands. If you know the boyfriend, if you can possibly go to the boyfriend and say, uh, we don't even know if it's your baby or the husband's baby. She doesn't know. We're not condemning you. We just want to you to help us to have her not kill that little baby in her, which is your son or daughter, possibly. But we will raise that baby. We will take care of everything. So if you can do that, stop at nothing but in love don't be aggressive. Do everything calmly and in love. And I ask all our listeners to pray a rosary today for that baby. I, we will do that here with our community. Um, so God bless you. Um, we have an email from Madeline who says Hello, Mother. I'm a new listener and I wanted to say thank you. I am 20 years old and I am still discerning a vocation. I've been visiting God in adoration and praying about my vocation. I'm curious as to how you know your vocation was to the religious life. Do you have any helpful advice for me as a young adult discerning my vocation? Thank you so much for all that you can do, uh, for all that you do. Um, Well, bless you, Madeline. Uh, I want to tell you, above all things, to trust the desires of your heart. Not just fly overnight, go for your emotions. But the scriptures say uh, that if you delight in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And if your delight is in Him above all things, then you can trust the desires of your heart are from Him. God has given you those desires and you don't have to be afraid to live them out. So if you feel an attraction to the religious life, um, then I would pursue that in prayer, I would get a spiritual director. I love that you said, I've been visiting God in adoration, praying about my vocation, because that's exactly, of course, who you're visiting. Many people will say, I go to adoration. I visit the blessed sacrament. It's the same thing, but I like that you said, I've been visiting God. And I want to tell you, God is just as happy that you've been visiting him. And so... He has a vocation for you, either to marriage or religious life. I will tell you now; it's not to the single life. I know that's a bold statement, but that's correct. Um, it's either to the marriage or religious life. God would not have us be alone, and so um, what I would, how I knew. I'll tell you truthfully, dear one. I never knew I was called. I I still can't tell you I was called. I would be denying all that God has done if I say he hasn't called me, but I never felt a call. But so many things happened through the years, and I have had such a desire to put my arms around the world, to be assigned to God, and to tell the whole world of Christ and his church. It's a, it's a burning desire. To this day, it has never lessened. It's 24-7, um, and... Uh, I can't believe that God has allowed me to wear this habit. I cannot understand religious who get rid of the habit or who shorten it. I don't understand any of that. I don't condemn anybody. I can't judge them. How can I? I'm not them. I'm me. But I would sleep and shower in this habit if God allowed me. There's so much that happens because of the witness of hope the habit brings to the world. So I would... Pray, uh, pray a 54-day novena to Our Lady for the huge request you have, and look up online 54-day novena if you're not quite sure what it is. Uh, it's a novena that Our Lady gave a young lady in the, I believe, 1600s, and um, I forget just when, I think she was 16, and um, Our Lady saved her from her illness and told her to spread this. 54-day novena, which is basically nine novenas times six equals 54. For the first half, which is three novenas in a sense in a row, 27 days, you pray for your request. The second half of the 54, which is the second 28 days, beginning on day 28, you, pr- you give thanksgiving for the answer, even if you don't have a clue what it was. I prayed that, and I think this came out of that. But what you need to do yet you should have a spirit a good holy priest as a spiritual director um, and you should read the lives of the saints and you should visit you should begin to visit different orders cloistered active um maybe Benedictine, Franciscan, Carmelite, Dominican, you know, maybe you're drawn to a certain type of spirituality, Um, I would visit them, short visits, if you can, weekend visits, week-long visits. Uh, If you think there's someone you really are drawn to, maybe they'll let you stay a month, that sort of thing. Uh, You can go on to the Institute of Religious Life online, and you'll see all kinds of orders and their charisms, and you can they give you a little online survey to help you discern your vocation, and just pray and say, "Lord, if you would have me to marry i I'm praying now for who that man will be. I pray for his sanctity, his love for you, <laughs> excuse me for that hiccup his maturity in um becoming the priest of his family, so um do that, and if you have a desire that just won't quit." I'd say you need to follow it through and start visiting religious orders and read the lives of religious and of saints and of religious who were heads of fa- families like St. Monica and others. Thank you, beloved. Sorry for my hiccups. And we'll see you all tomorrow. God bless you. Please don't forget to pray for the woman and the baby who is about to be aborted two days from now. Please pray for her, everyone. Pray a rosary for her at the very least and tell your friends. God bless you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.